Hey, listen, as a token of my appreciation, I'm so grateful that we get to spend this time together. So I want to give you a free gift, and that is access to a $2,000 audio training. Yeah, get this. You can listen to it just like a podcast, and it will outline exactly how to get $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 clients from your own podcast or private audio feed. So I would love to give that to you as a thank you. And all you need to do, I made this super easy, just head on over to at HeyCarlaWhite on Instagram and DM me the word wealth. Just send that word wealth to me and you're going to find access to it right in your inbox. So enjoy and thank you again for listening to Radical Shift. You're listening to episode number eight of Radical Shift. And in this episode, I get to sit down with the one and only Dennis Waitley. He has written over 15 books, is one of the four founders of the whole self-development movement. He has coached alongside of Jim Rohn and has mentored the greats like John Maxwell. He has appeared in the blockbuster movie, The Secret, and is going to appear in the upcoming movie, Beyond the Secret. And in this exclusive interview. He shares his backstory as well as some value bombs where you can start changing your life around today. And now for something a little different. I'm success coach and serial entrepreneur, Carla White, and I'm on a mission to wake the shift out of you. Filled with honesty and humor, this show is designed to lower your stress increase your income, build your relationships, and make your journey a lot more fun. Welcome to Radical Shift. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this episode is like my life coming full circle because when I started out on my self-development journey many years ago, I came across The Secret. Yeah, like you guys as well. I'm sure many of you guys watched that movie. I still have a check that I wrote out to myself from the universe. It's hanging in my garage. And no, I have not made that much money yet. But uh, one person in The Secret who really connected, I connected with him a lot. I felt like his words just spoke directly to me. And that was Dennis Waitley. He just seemed down to earth and funny and amazing and recently I got asked if I wanted him to coach me. Of course I said yes. And he's one of my mentors and I would, he is the exact same way in person. He's funny and smart and he puts his whole heart into everything he does. So you're going to so enjoy this podcast because not only do we get to hear about his backstory, but he gives you so much wisdom and takeaways. So be sure to listen to the entirety. And this is a real gem. This is a real treat. Every speaker or every author always says, well, I came from the ghetto to where I am today by overcoming all my my obstacles. Everybody says that. And Maybe it's true. Maybe that's why we do what we do. I've always felt that actors, actresses, uh, sports figures are trying to prove something that happened in their childhood to overcome that. And in my case, it really is true. I came from a very dysfunctional family, uh, poor to middle class, you know, not poor, but because we never went to bed hungry. So I can't say that. But uh, alcohol, uh, divorce, smoking, problems, arguing. Father left when I was nine. I became the man of the family. And the problem was 
My mother was left during World War II with three children, and she developed resentment in having to take care of us, having to work, having no money coming in. And my father went in World War II. So there I was at age nine, the man of the family. And to tell you what I was carrying on my shoulders, when I got all my work done and I went to put my baseball uniform on to go with my baseball bat and my glove to play, my mother said, hmm, must be nice for you to be able to go play with your friends while your mother slaves over your, your dinner. And I began to feel these guilt feelings in playing or doing things. Or, and it became a situation where I was trying to please her, but I couldn't. And so I may have developed a leak in my self-esteem. I think I did. So I think I have a leaky self-esteem. I think my self-esteem is usually good, but every once in a while, the little boy comes back and says, mm, maybe you're not really good enough. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that. So I do admit that in my early years, I was hoping to get the approval of other people. And I had a dream when I was 12 over and over and over again. And there I was, I think I was in Carnegie Hall. I know there was a big chandelier, lots of people in the audience, and I was performing, doing something. And they stood up and gave me a standing ovation. And my mother and my father and my grandmother and grandfather were there in the front row. And I remember as people were applauding, I looked down at my mother and said, am I okay now? Am I a good boy now? And I had that recurring dream. And I've, I've talked to so many people who've had a dream over and over again where they're in this situation and they're getting approval. And many, many years later, as Deja Vu would have it, I was in Carnegie Hall speaking to an audience. I managed to get them to rise to their feet afterward and give me a standing ovation. I glanced in the front row, but my mother and father and grandmother Gruff were not there. But I almost said to myself, am I okay now, mom? And so my little boy story is, I began starting out trying to prove, perform, do well in school, do well in sports, be somebody that people would, would thank. Finally, I realized that it was inside, not the applause. And so I gave up the applause and the idea of getting standing ovations and being somebody important and decided to be a servant leader and serve other people rather than try to prove myself to be important. So I've given up self-importance. In fact, when I, yeah, and John Maxwell and I talked many years ago and you know we told that story of John. You, uh, I know most of the great thought leaders from the past because I've been introduced to them. So uh, Dr. Jonas Salk, who invented the polio vaccine, I became president of his foundation and I was his Jiminy Cricket. I was his uh, connection to the social world. He didn't know who Walt Disney was. Uh, he didn't know Huey, Dewey and Louie and Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse and Goofy because he was raised uh, with the family in medicine. So. Salk introduced me to Abraham Maslow, who was president of the American Psychological Association. And I studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs back in the 60s. 
And then uh, Viktor Frankl, who led the resistance movement in Auschwitz and Dachau, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, which we all quote. All of us speakers say, Man's Search for Meaning, logotherapy, you must have a purpose. And Frankl, I remember said, ask not what life will do for you, tell life what you're gonna do for it. And so Frankl was important. And then some of the other ones, uh, William Glasser, uh, Carl Rogers, uh, some of those thought leaders in those days. And then of course, the speaking circuit, uh, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn and I were traveling through Australia in the 1970s. So in the 1970s, Jim Rohn and I were going, and then Tony Robbins was selling Jim Rohn tickets. So Tony Robbins was this big, tall, good looking presence. And he was a better salesman in selling Jim Rohn's seminars than anyone I'd ever met. And I think he was only 19 or 20 years old at the time. So he became a, if you will, a disciple uh, of Jim Rohn and learned a lot from Jim. And of course, adds his magnificent own touch. So there was Tony and Jim and Zig Ziglar and Norman Vincent Peale and Robert Schuler and Paul Harvey and Art Linkletter and all these older guys out there on the quote success platform speaker circuit when i got up people looked at their program to see who was absent because i had no name i was a no-name speaker until earl nightingale called me with that deep voice of his hello this is earl nightingale Wow, I said, oh, Mr. Nightingale, I, I, I've listened to The Strangest Secret and I love your, your album, Lead the Field for Chevrolet, Lead the Field for Standard Oil. You have this audio cassette album. He said, yes, you have a nice voice. I listened to your little tape. You have a pleasant voice, not a radio voice, not a dynamic voice, but a nice voice, a believable voice. And if you're ever in Chicago, you just see my partner, Lloyd Conant, with my last $500 went to Chicago and two years later, I finally talked them into in 1977, 1977 to record an album. They didn't like the title because it was called The Psychology of Winning. And why would anyone get turned on by the psychology of winning? But I did it as a metaphor because I had been working with returning prisoners of war from Vietnam and studied the Korean War and so forth and uh, was a Navy pilot. And POW was a nomer that I put on a, a whiteboard, POW. And I said, you think it means prisoner of war? I said, no, it means Prince of Wales in England. It means power of women all over the world. It means putting on weight when you're older. It means pow. It means prisoner of world, prisoner of wishes, prisoner of, maybe it's psychology of winning. Life is a bumper sticker through the eye of the beholder. It doesn't make any difference what happens, it's how you take it and what you make of it. And when you see something, it only has relevance if you have experience with it. If you have no experience with what you're seeing, then it makes no impression upon you. But if there's a passion or something behind it, then you know it. So I took POW and instead of prisoner of war, I made it psychology of winning. And it happened to hit, as we talked briefly the other day, Nightingale Conant, because Earl Nightingale was retiring with a health issue, 
they needed an understudy of some kind. So I became their list builder. And the list builder is someone who does an album that nobody knows. They don't pay him very much because he's not known. And then they use it and they send it to American Express, MasterCard, all, all the all the mailing and they write robo typewriter letters and send out brochures and direct mail pieces. So I was a product in 1978 of direct mail. And so they, they mailed out hundreds of thousands of these. And all of a sudden I started getting a royalty check for $20,000 a month. And I received a royalty check for $20,000 a month for 20 years from one album that sold 2 million copies at $50 each or $100 million for them as an unknown. So I was thrust into, thrust into this. Unfortunately, at that point of the interview, we got interrupted. Yeah, right when he was giving me some amazing facts and figures. But then he got back online and he dove into some amazing neuroscience. You know, Carla, for the past 50 years, I've been studying the mind and the brain and why some people win, why some people lose, why some people are accident prone, why some people are success prone. But the brain is the most magnificent biocomputer ever created. And we're finally learning how it operates more. What we're learning is the brain heals itself, repairs itself, changes itself. And even someone my age can get more memory, can learn more, can gain more, can have new neural pathways. In other words, I don't have to become senile. I don't have to stoop over. I don't have to shuffle. I don't have to lose my memory and find my car keys in the refrigerator. I can, I can learn and be young in my mind if I continue to learn something new every day. And here's one of the secrets. The brain rewires itself every time we remember something. In other words, we don't remember, we re-edit. So the brain, instead of remembering, is like an edited, constant music video, being reshaped and re-edited as we go along. And every time we remember something, we are actually adding, shading, cutting out, piecing together. It's like a, scrap, a scrapbook that is not solid, but the pieces are being added and subtracted every day. And that's why I always notice people remember things differently. They remember how it happened differently. And even when they're told the same thing and they see the same car accident, they see something different. So the most amazing thing is that, you know, we do have two hemispheres, the left and the right. And the left, in most right-handed people, the left hemisphere is very analytical, very judgmental, very verbal. The right hemisphere is very emotional, very uh, visualization oriented, and very musical. So we have this creative right side and this pragmatic left side. And one of the things we've learned is if you quiet the mind, if you quiet it down, it's more receptive in certain times just before you go to sleep when you're relaxing. When you relax, you can learn more than when you're, when you're upset, of course. So the idea is to relax yourself, which is why meditation and other forms of, of therapy, color therapy, music therapy work so well. 
So if the left hemisphere, the judgmental side is quieted and the right hemisphere is enlightened with music and relaxation, you can talk to yourself and you can reshape your thoughts and the left hemisphere won't judge and block it out and it will let it in when you're relaxed, when you're repeating, when you're emotional, the brain is very susceptible to rewiring and it's rewiring every day. So I've had a lot of cul-de-sacs in my life. I've had a lot of under construction. I've also had a lot of roadblocks and I've also had a lot of surface streets with red lights on them. There's been a lot of trash cans and, and alleyways in my life. So if you look at your brain as a series of highways and you look at your thoughts as traffic, the traffic every day on the highways of your brain is taking you in a certain direction. And unfortunately, most people take the same path to work. They go the same track every day and that's fine because the subway is the best way to get around because it runs on a track and therefore you get from point A to B better on a subway. However, a track can become a rut and a rut can become a place in the highway of your brain where you keep traveling there over and over again, doing the same things. And that's that definition of insanity. We keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So what I'm suggesting has been happening just in the past five years is neuroscientists have understood that the brain is plastic. It has a plasticity to it that is constantly remolding itself inside. And when something happens to you, you get injured, you get sick, you get depressed, it's possible for you to use other areas of your brain and messages to repair that side or to reuse it in a different way. For example, the visual cortex is in the back of the brain. So you may see through your eyes, but your eyes are only a camera. You actually are seeing and recording everything you see in the back of your brain. So when people say there's something wrong with your eyes, a friend of mine, for example, female friend had a stroke in her 30s. And the stroke left her unable to see peripherally in her right eye because she had a left hemisphere stroke. So they're giving her brain therapy and causing her to be able to rewire her brain so she can see a little better on the right side, even though she may not drive again. But they're giving her different brain instructions to have her brain repair itself to that's what they're doing with stroke victims. That's what they're doing with certain heart people. That's what I'm learning to do. For example, I'm in my, I don't want to admit this to the audience because I'm, I'm very vain, but uh, I'm, 80, I'm 86 and I want to be 68. So I have dyslexia in terms of numbers. So I keep seeing myself as 68, yep. traveling all over the world. Uh, last year I was 50 cities in China at 85 and they were, the Chinese would say, oh, you are so old and so wise. And I said, remember the wise part, it's the old part we want to forget. Yeah. And I kept quoting Confucius. Confucius say, women like water, men like rock. Women flow and women stronger than rock because water always conquers rock. And this young Chinese guy came up and said, wow, you went to school with Confucius? <laughs> I said, well, no, actually, 
he's 1,800 years old. I said, I'm only 8,500 years old. And he goes, wow. So at, at any rate, even someone my age can learn new things. And here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to stay in the same ruck. You don't want to start stewing. You want to get up and start doing. When you're depressed, it's very difficult to be depressed and active at the same time because depression makes you kind of want to stop in your tracks and, and you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I like to get out of me and into somebody else. What I found is whenever I'm down or sad or having problems, I get out of me and into a child who has leukemia. I get into Alzheimer's wards. I get into people whose problems are so much more incredible than my own. Mm -hmm. But I find that my problems shrink in size as I'm using whatever value I have to help them. This is why I think your podcast, your application, your app is mm -hmm. one of the best of all because I did a cameo in The Secret when Rhonda Byrne uh, had the idea of The Secret. It was supposed to be a one-time television show all over the world to get the energy of the world all together. One-time TV show. However, time zones create a problem. So instead, she did a trailer for a video and the trailer was so mystical so full of the Da Vinci Code, so mm -hmm. full of things that were mysterious that we got caught up in it and it went viral and the secret videos went out like pancakes and then later she wrote the book, The Secret. But what it was, was an idea of not only the law of attraction, but the laws that came from uh, Wallace D. Waddle's book, you know, The Science of Getting Rich, which yeah. was written in about 1904. And probably the most powerful thing about the law of attraction is later the law of gratitude. And in that same book, the law of gratitude, and, and in every great book, you'll find think and thank, think and thank. Mm -hmm. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't thank God, I thank the creator, I thank everyone. In fact, everyone who gives me something, I thank. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I be thankful for being alive? I have two hands, I have fingers, I have eyes, I have ears. I, I live in a great country. I, I'm free to be, I'm free to choose, free to win, free to lose. I mean, there's so much in the way of blessings to be grateful for that I think the idea of gratitude is one of the most powerful concepts by saying, wait a minute, here I am a victim. I wanna be victorious. I wanna be a victor instead of a victim. And in order to do that, you have to study people who have overcome enormous handicaps to become successful. I'm always studying people who come out of the, the, come out of the desert, come out of nowhere, come out of poverty. And I say, wow, I didn't have that. I may have had some problems at home, which I, when I told my story to you, but I'm telling you this new neuroscience confirms prayer, meditation, relaxation, music therapy, color therapy, uh, relaxation response therapy, but most of all it confirms that when we talk to ourselves, we're judge, we're our critic, mm -hmm. and we should be our best friend and coach. We know ourselves better than anyone else. We don't want to admit it, but we know, we know us. 
So when we talk to ourselves, we need to be encouraging, uplifting, and talk in terms of the desired result, where we're going, where we want to be, what we want to happen. And we need to talk as if we're coaching ourselves into this on a daily basis. And the brain cannot determine what is virtual and what is reality. Because what is reality to the brain is anything you're obsessed with, that's your reality. So magnificent obsessions repeated in a first person passionate. And many people affirm, but I believe in images of achievement. And with Olympians, I've been using self-statements with them for maybe 30 years. And the self-statement is this, my breathing is relaxed and effortless. My left arm is heavy and warm. I'm relaxing. I'm at peace. My heartbeat is slow and regular. My breathing is more relaxed and effortless. I'm at peace. I'm relaxing now. I believe I can be the best in everything. I'm caring and gentle with my loved ones. Now the Olympian kicks in. Speed, power, explode, extend, rotate plant the feet, first to touch the other side of the swimming pool, backhand strong, first serve in. That's more like it, that's more like you, we're getting better now. Relax, follow through, concentrate. Then you begin to- like, okay, talk. those sound like affirmations I need when I'm playing with my kids. <laughs> uh, listen, we, no, we all need those, but you know, when you look at an affirmation, you say, yeah, well, you know, you look in the mirror and say, I'm a billionaire. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those don't feel so weird when you say those. No, it, it's, it's better to say, uh, I'm caring and gentle with my loved ones. I take control of my, uh, my mind and my body. I eat only when I'm hungry. Water is my favorite fitness drink. I eat lean source protein, small portions. I chew my food very well. I have good digestion. My lungs are pink and clear. Now, you can talk to yourself like that and your brain says, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Now, now, now let me hear some more. I earn $150,000 a year. Okay, we're only earning 80 now, so that's not, mm, that's a little, that's just out of, reach but not out of sight mm -hmm. give me some more incremental steps and as we incrementally stair step our way to success lo and behold each success gives us more confidence gives us a reason to be grateful gratitude we can celebrate each small step and when we miss a small step it's easier to correct yeah. we don't have to throw a touchdown pass in the two-minute drill and try to overcome by the inch a cinch, by the yard it's hard. Stair-stepping our way to the top. And I'm so convinced that with neuroscience, being able to repeat repetitive practice, you know why, it, you look at an Olympian and you have to understand there never was a winner who wasn't a beginner. So when you begin anything, you're awkward, you're not good at it, you make mistakes. And so did every Olympian, but they had a coach. And the coach brought out their talent. And the coach showed them how to use their talents in a way. And the coach corrected them saying, no, this is the right way. You're doing well. 
but here's a better way to do it. Try this next time. Yeah. The good coach is constantly trying to reinforce success and play to the desired result. The bad coach criticizes what's wrong and says, whatever you do, don't do this again. And I've had many coaches tell athletes, whatever you do, don't fall, bear down, don't do what you did last time. And if you're a golfer, why would you say, uh, I hope I don't sky this one, hook this one, slice this one, dump this, of course not. You'd say, the ball is going on the green and in the hole. I have steady follow through, I keep my head down, I hit it straight. And the brain is desperately trying to read the instructions of the software. The software drives the hardware. So take your software program, begin to put in there the direction you're going as if you're on your way there over and over again with emotion. And uh, the, the most important thing though, Carla, is that's why I'm so excited to be on your podcast and do it with gratitude. Yeah, yeah. The emotion. Okay. So I want to, I want to reiterate this in a way that I, I thought how it works. So your right brain, your um, subconscious, where your emotions are, and then your left brain is more analytical. And your subconscious, though, is going like 4000 miles per hour, while your conscious more analytical brain is going maybe 75 miles per hour. So you're making, you think you're making decisions analytically with your conscious brain, with logic, but really you're making them emotionally based on habit, identity, beliefs. Is that true? Is, is that right? Or am I missing well, it? Correct me if I'm wrong. No. Uh, over 80% of our daily activities are habitual we're not even aware that we're doing them. So if you looked at a typical day in everyone's life, you get up, you go through your routine, you take your shower, you do the left arm, the right arm, maybe the head first, everybody does it. You you put your clothes on the same way. In seminars, I love to have people take their jackets off, the men of course, and the women have suit jackets in some of the meetings. And then I ask them to put their jacket on with the other arm in first and they can't do it. They cannot put their coat on with the other arm first because they've been habitually doing the same thing. So most of life is subconscious habit. We just do it. We're not aware we're doing it. We're not even aware we're talking to ourselves. Every waking moment, except during, during certain deep sleep, you know, we need to dream, which is REM sleep where our eyes go back and forth. Like when we see a dog dreaming, the dog's eyes are flickering back and forth and the dog is chasing a a rodent or a cat but but the truth is you're talking to yourself every moment of your waking life with words pictures and emotions but words are not thoughts thoughts are a combination of visual feelings and then they can be expressed in words and words can have an emotional and visual response and I've tested people on that too I've said the big black snake slithered across the floor and up the back of your chair everyone goes yeah. like this i said no, no wait a minute i'm just saying it there's really not one there i said spiders they go oh i said no i just said spiders so words evoke emotion and pictures 
pictures evoke very strong emotion. Music is extremely emotional because when you play any music, it lights up every area of your brain. So music is incredible, and especially a certain kind of music will open you up to you talking to yourself in a positive way. So you're right. Habits are subconscious. It's as if you have R2-D2 uh, down inside of you, and there's one little quick thing. I have this little robot that goes around with me. I tell it what I'm thinking. I tell it what I see. I tell my little robot all my hopes and fears listens and remembers everything it hears. At first, my little robot followed my command, but after years of training, it's gotten out of hand. Doesn't care what's true or false or what is right or wrong. Whatever I try to do now, he tells me what to do. You are me too, R2D2. Are you me too? My subconscious software little robot that does whatever he wants to do because he's been trained so well. So I need to train Are You Me Too to do things I want to do that are good for me. And I need to do that because his program has been set for many years and those are my habits. And they're, they, they're like cobwebs that have grown into cables. That is phenomenal. I love that. That is so awesome. I'm going to have to memorize that and share it with my kids. That's a really good mem like way to remember how all this works because uh, just earlier, I was speaking with your daughter, Deborah, and uh, she shared a statistic where 70% of our thoughts are actually negative too. So I can understand why people want to drown out those thoughts with alcohol, um, uh, binge watching, surfing the internet. That's a way of drowning out those thoughts, I, I'm guessing. That's right. They're, they're tension relieving instead of goal achieving. And they're, they're trying to flood those out. The problem is, though, is that you never erase anything you've ever thought or experienced. It's there forever. Just like when you say something on a tweet or go on the Internet, it's indelible in cyberspace forever. So, so figure everything that you thought and said and done is there. You don't erase it. You overwrite it by recording new stuff on top of the old stuff. And finally, the old stuff becomes so irrelevant, so pushed far down that now R2-D2, R-U, Me Too, has a, a program that's so much stronger that only once in a great while do you say, why me? Or stupid yes. klutz. Right. But mostly you don't say that. You say, hey, that's not like you. You're better than this. Let's get going. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't wake up and say, safe again, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. Oh, I say, let's go. That's another good yep. day you give. What, what can I do with this day to make someone happy, make someone better, make me better, make a plant yep. better? Just yeah, so yeah. We're also much more capable of what we, more than what we are aware of. I, I kind of feel like if we're absorbing all the messages from society and from the media, it's they're they're designed to make you feel worth less. So then you buy products or do something, like get something, or invest in something that is fear-based. And that, that decision that problems will be solved in sixty seconds. Just drink me, yeah. wear me, drive me, travel to me. And your problems are over and they're and they're geared to that and of course the media and we understand 
that only conflagration, forest fires, hurricanes, and earthquakes create viewership because people are so glad they weren't the victim of the day. They're shocked as they watch these things happening to people all over the world. It makes them feel a little bit insulated that it wasn't happening to them. So it's, I'm glad I wasn't the victim of the day. But the problem is bad news sells. And it sells in motion pictures because you need to be shocked today because we have such a, uh, a need for visceral stimulation that we need to be stimulated today much more than before because we don't get together as much. So we, we need the shock effect. So when you combine the bad news happening every day in the world, and when you combine the shocks of entertainment and you pushing the edge all the time to make sure that we're shocked into buying or watching, it's little wonder that people tend to get depressed a little. Mm -hmm. They t tend to get uh, jaded. They tend to get uh, a little cynical about the world. And do you think the future is better? A lot of people will say no, but I say yes. And I, and I say, yes, it, it is and it will. This is the best time to be alive in history. It really is. Mm -hmm. Just think, first time, every library in the world is sitting right in front of our face. And anything we have, we can find out something about it. And we may not change our lives, but it can change our awareness and our opportunities. And what a wonderful way to be able to communicate. I used to say, wow. The selfie world is a world I don't want to be into, but then I thought, at least you can share your life and your loved ones with people that you don't see more often by this wonderful technology. And the other thing is, of course, you can communicate in the world. What I wish people would do, though, instead of going like this with their smartphone and putting themselves in the picture, I wish they'd turn their hand around and make sure the camera is going outward rather than inward so that they can see what other people are doing rather than having to put themselves in the picture. Right. So you bring up a good topic, one that I really want to ask you about, which is you've been in the self-development world for like since it came to being almost, you know, it's you're the forefounder of self-development. And um, you know, it's the now there's so many coaches out there and it's a big movement uh, people the self-development is the industry i think is growing by like six percent a year if not more and it's a billion dollar industry so are you feeling like the messages are improving and that people are getting these messages better you know the secret had a big deal with this it had a big impact and awareness of our own personal powers uh but, or do you feel like people are just watching The Secret and then, okay, I'm good. And that's it. like, they're not indulging anymore. Well, I, I think we tend to be in an immediate gratification world. And definitely because of the millennial mindset, which could, all of our mindsets are very fast forward, very quick. They want it now. So it's immediate. Everything needs to be immediate in real time. So the problem is most people are not interested in why or how or what do you need to learn or going through the program. No, they're saying, teach me everything on how to win in this two-minute uh, two thing. And isn't there an app to be a billionaire? 
if there's a billionaire app, can I just point, click, and make money? Is there a pet rock? Is there a trivial pursuit? Isn't there something that I can do to get rich quick? And the answer is by providing what service of value to what people that they will be willing to save time, get healthier, save money, be happier. How are you going to help them so that they will pay you? So when you give more in value than you receive in payment, you start becoming wealthy or you start becoming sought after. And there is no formula. And the problem is we're in a little bit of a one, two, three, four click world to become successful. And I know that to be true because when I do a long program, people get antsy because they don't want to find out the underlying reasons for it. They just want to do it and be it and have it. It's like, and I know there's powerful speakers around saying, uh, one, two, three, four, five, change. Yes. You, know, there, there's that, you know, there's that kind of thing. You clap after five and that thought is gone. And, and that's going around a lot. And there's the 10 minute this and the five minute this. And there was the one minute manager though years ago. So uh, <laughs> there's the one minute gratitude journal too, which I, I'm like, why would you only focus on abundance one minute out of the day instead of all day long? I don't know. But <laughs> the one minute manager, which was the best selling book, you know, by Ken Blanchard and Spencer Johnson, actually came from the one minute reprimand on how to train your dog. So it came from a dog psychiatrist who had the one minute reprimand the one minute scolding the one minute and they change it into the one minute manager by by dealing with people straight on so it's kind of hard to do that i i prefer short bites of course now because i've always been long bite i've always been a long bite guy by maybe over talking over seminaring over teaching and in order to deal with younger people, I need to get more to the point faster and say, okay, here's what we're trying to do. And it's gonna take you a little longer than you think. So it's gonna take, instead of 21 days to change your life, it's gonna take about six months to a year because it took you a long time to be who you are. And if some of the things that you're doing you don't like, so it's gonna take you a little longer to put new habits on top of the old ones. So give it some time. If you're in direct marketing, give it some time. Yeah. If you're in a new job, give it some time, give it some effort, let it simmer. It will bloom in its own time, but not necessarily in your short time frame. It needs time, it needs time. So I would encourage people to read more, to read biographies more, and especially mm -hmm. people who aren't doing well, to go up on the net and look at YouTubes and look at programs of people who have overcome some very serious things to become more healthy and successful again. And it will give them courage that what they're going through is not something they have to do alone or is not unique to them. There's always somebody who's done what you've done or had happened to them, what's happened to you. And all did. so hang around with people with similar goals, people who've solved some of your problems, and people who are optimists instead of pessimists at least have lunch with them, even though you can't be with them every day. Dennis, 
this was awesome. You gave such good information. And um, if people want to find you and want to learn more, you've got a program out that I get to be a part of, which is awesome. But how can they find out more about you? Well, you know, it, it's called the Neuropsychology Winning Coaching System, using the new brain train methods to make it go a little smoother, a little faster. So they can go to braintrainglobal.com all, all together. Or they can go to uh, DennisWakely.com and find out more about the programs that we offer. Dennis, thank you so much for your time and sharing all of this with us. I mean, what we have here from you is such a gift. And I can't even begin to explain how awesome it is. Well, thank you very much, Carla. And, and you know, I'm roadkill on the information highway still. Uh, I still... It's wonder I'm still not using an IBM Selectric typewriter, but I'm not, you know, I, and, and it, you know, it's, it's wonder I'm, uh, it's a wonder I'm not trying to white out the mistakes that I make on my computer screen, but, but I'm getting there and I'm trying to stay relevant. And I, I want to again say, I think what you're doing is not only very necessary, but very mm -hmm. powerful, very important. Yeah. And I edify what you do. And I hope we stay in communication because I'd really like to follow your progress. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Now, if you want to connect with Dennis or see, learn about his program or anything about what he's up to these days, you can go to DennisWhiteley.com. And he is I'm telling you, this guy is a machine. He is not stopping. He's got some really good plans for 2020. So watch this space. I'll be sharing more about him in the future. Until next time, keep being awesome and keep creating radical shifts. Thank you so much for listening. Now, if you want to create a radical shift in your life, all you have to do is head over to thegratitudeapp.com and that will take you directly to the app store where you can download it and start using the Gratitude app today. Now, if you're the type of person who loves to help out family and friends, be sure to share this episode. And if you ever want to reach out to me, just head on over to Instagram at HeyCarlaWhite. I'd love to hear from you and hear your comments. Until then, keep being limitless, keep being adventurous, and keep creating radical Hey, listen, as a token of my appreciation, I'm so grateful that we get to spend this time together. So I want to give you a free gift, and that is access to a $2,000 audio training. Yeah, get this. You can listen to it just like a podcast and it will outline exactly how to get $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 clients from your own podcast or private audio feed. So I would love to give that to you as a thank you. And all you need to do, I made this super easy, just head on over to at Hey Carla White on Instagram and DM me the word wealth. Just send that word wealth to me and you're going to find access to it right in your inbox. So enjoy and thank you again for listening to Radical Shift.